Hello, everyone. Welcome today. I have with me guest Michelle Cedarberg. She is a super successful speaker. Uh, her talks are known for her telling people to do the effing work. Um, you have a master's in kinesiology, a BA in psychology, lots of numbers and credits uh, to your name. But I met Michelle when she actually turned her expertise on me when I just started speaking and she was kind enough to come and watch me at a TED style talk. And Michelle, the way that you um, just focused and gave me your expertise, the school can't teach you that. That was your experience. And, uh, and so I, I have a lot of respect for Michelle. Is there anything else I haven't mentioned that uh, people should know about you to help them get the most out of our conversation? Oh, <laughs> Welcome to the podcast. I hope you enjoy the honest advice and personal stories. I'm Sue Stiles, the CEO of the Successful Solopreneurs School of Business, and I'm here to share hope and possibility so that you can reach the unwavering results you desire. Find the best business resources, advice, and offers at suestyles.com. And now on with the show. Uh, well, my background is in fitness, and I am now also a professional coach, and I will say about coaching you, it's easier to coach people who already have that foundation of awesomeness that just needs to be shaped so it was really fun doing that with you <laughs> uh, we forgot to mention you are the author of a new book the success energy equation which is what we were all excited about um and talking about in your launching it is literally available like right now like it's so hot off the presses i don't even have a copy in my hands yet so the success awesome. energy equation, how to regain focus, recharge your life and really get sh shit done. Can I say that? Yes, you can say that. <laughs> we can say that. So Michelle, I usually, you know, I run through a bunch of business questions. We're talking to people who are running their own businesses or, um, you know, entrepreneurial, solopreneurial, but tell me before, you know, you're a successful solopreneur, but when you're not working, what do you like to do? What's your favorite uh, kickback hobby? Oh, I, I say I don't have kids. I have bikes. And so in the, in the winter, I like to fat bike. In the summer, I love mountain biking. I love golfing, although the golf courses are all closing now in October in Canada. Um, I love gardening. I love good food and the good wine that goes with it. How's that for life balance? <laughs> very nice, very nice. I always like to hear what people like to do in their pastimes because you're not just your work, right? No. Well, I have a lot of questions to ask, and so I'm going to fire hose through them, and I'm really looking forward to just sharing your perspective. And I always like to start with asking my guests, what have you found is the best way to get business or clients what you know what can people do isn't that just a million dollar question when it comes to solopreneurship because when i first started out i didn't have leads i didn't have connections i didn't have referrals and so i did make cold calls um and and i really did i called people that i didn't know but i, I also learned how not to do it and and i i now change that i'm all about building relationships. So letting people know what I do in a way that's going to solve their problems. So I will call people or have warm leads or um, uh, introductions from others and then go in with a little bit of how can I help you. Um, and I will always say that when we go out there and do good work at whatever it is we're selling, 
referrals are always going to come in and they're always going to be the best way to get more business for sure. For sure. I know. So you mentioned cold calls. I know nobody likes making them, but so if you're, you do a lot of speaking, you must have to reach out sometimes to people mm -hmm. you don't know. So do you follow a little script or do you just make it up on the fly? How do you do a, a good call? You know, when I'm reaching out to somebody for the first time, I'm not going to assume that they have a lot of time or that they actually want to hear from me. So I'll usually dangle a little carrot and I'll usually send a short email, believe it or not, with just one or two lines saying, hey, my name is Michelle Cedarberg. I'm a professional speaker that specializes in, in this. I believe my messages would be good for your market. Who is the right person to talk to? Send. And I don't attach any, here's all my uh, speeches, here's my bio, here are all the referrals. I don't attach any of that because I want them to get back to me. So yeah. that's one of the things that I do, short and sweet, without assuming that they want or need me and just hope, hoping that they'll open up the email and think, oh, that's interesting. We might be able to use that. If not now, maybe next year. I <laughs> think people can feel when it's authentic and you're, mm -hmm. just, you know, you're just talking to them like a normal person. Uh, I'm sure you've experienced or had lots of um, of the worst kinds of way to try to get clients. What do you see people do or trying to do that you you think no, just don't waste your time? Yeah, yeah, the info dump and making it all about themselves. I do this. I can help you. I I I I. This is how I help people. I I I. Without making any sort of um, inquiry as to hey, you know, how is your business? What are the problems that you're looking to have solved. You know, how are things going this year? And, and to be in curious state. So if we're always dumping information and assuming that somebody wants to hear it, then you're going to get that glassy eye. They're going to be tuning out, looking for an escape. So never make it about yourself ever. As much as it is, we can't. It's all about, hey, you know, how are you? How's your business? What are the things that you're struggling with right now? You're listening for, hey, what's the problem that I can solve? And that's like, oh, that's interesting. When I worked with a client last year on that very problem, these are some of, some of the things that we talked about. And maybe I could send you some information, you know? Then it becomes more authentic, right? It's so such a good reminder, too. I was just listening to a Gary Vee video. And I love him. <laughs> he's just so, you know, down to just be there to help people, even at his level, right? He's not saying, hey, I'm superstar. You probably want to know me. He is looking for those opportunities to help. It's a simple message, but- it, To help in a way that the individual needs help, not the way he thinks they need help, right? Yeah. Exactly. So talking about what individuals need, you've had a, you know, 15, 20 years as a professional running your own uh, business, can you tell me about the people along the way, if there's anybody who's helped you get to where you are? Gosh, I mean, could, how much time have you got? Yeah. Uh, I, think, I, think that, uh, I think that the best way that we can be successful is to have a little bit of humility and, and not be afraid to ask for help. And, you know, initially when I didn't have extra money kicking around, it was going, you know, looking for somebody to, who would mentor me or somebody who I want to be like, who I'd say, you know, I'd love to tap your expertise, just to have a conversation. When I started to have a little extra money kicking around, then I hired coaches because then I got them all to myself and I could, you know, I could, uh, I could pay for the time without feeling guilty, which is, and I think, I think the best thing that we need to be able to do is invest in ourselves through that kind of coaching. I've done speaker coaching. I've done book coaching. I've done sales coaching. I've done 
um, all sorts of things like that that would strengthen different parts of my business throughout yeah. the many years I've been doing this. Yeah. Right. Because over time, you need different kinds of advice, right? Mm -hmm. Yeah. Yeah. Um, you were sharing uh, in your new book a story about a lady named Donna that maybe it's not like a super positive way someone helped you, but you made it into a positive. Can you talk about that? You know, I think that every, throughout our life, people, you know, th things happen that are, you know, shoulder taps that, that have to wake us up to, okay, what's going on here? And I, I was a personal trainer for many years. I, I uh, personal trained for seven years full time and I was a little bit burnt out and I didn't love the job and I was in a tough point in my life emotionally and socially and I was carrying the weight of the world on my shoulders, if you will. And Donna, who had been one of my favorite training clients for many, many years, um, you know, one day I went to train with her and she was, wasn't wearing her gym clothes and she was kind of sit here on the bench next to me. And so I sat down next to her and she says, right now you are carrying the weight of the world on your shoulders and I can feel it. And, and she said to me, I come to these sessions to get energized. And so right now you need, I need to work with another personal trainer and you should work with my counselor. <laughs> she handed me the business card of her counselor. And she was right. I thought that I was fooling everybody, but I had been carrying this negative um, and unhappy energy into my work. And, you know, thanks to her, I, I realized I wasn't fooling anybody. And I started to, you know, do the things that I needed to do to get to a happier place. One of the you know, things I say is that I'm a student of all that I teach. And some of my biggest lessons started back then. <laughs> Me too. Me too. And when you learn something yourself, then you have something that you can share. This was, you, this is what worked for me. Yeah. Yeah. And so you talk a lot about goals, discovering your goals. Who are you? What's at the core? And you really prod so that a person can, uh, you know, if they forgot what their goals are, they can be reawakened. Can, you know, I do a vision board. I do a business um, planning, uh, my business plan every year. How can I do them better? Should I do them more? Does it really help? The, the, those two things, like doing an annual vision board and, and doing business planning, th that's fantastic. And, and a lot of people don't do either of those things. A lot of people don't write down anything of what they want. And when I talk about goals, I kind of start from a coaching perspective with a really simple question of what do you want? What do you want in your work? What do you want in your life? What do you want with your relationship or your health? And you'd be surprised how hard of a question that is for a lot of people to answer because we spend so much time kind of up in here or autopiloting our way through the day. We don't always know. We're not always super clear. So we have to start by getting clear about the simple fundamentals of what do I want? Like how much do I want to work and how much do I want to make and how do I want my relationship to be? Because sometimes we just go with the flow. And then once we're a little bit more clear, that's when I say write down a little bit more tangible, more specific goals. And, and you know, I love the idea of a vision board because yeah. the whole process of making actually cements that, that desire into your gray matter. It helps, gives you, you have enough time to move those ideas from short-term memory into long-term memory by the simple act of cutting out and creating and designing and then looking at it, you know, every single day if it's in your office. It just... What I, what I say about those types of goals, whether you write them down pen to paper or create the vision board, is it, it, it helps you to embed that goal into long-term long memory where it can taunt you. Because <laughs> nice. if you don't forget it, then hopefully you're going to continue to, to yeah. chip away at it. Yeah. When you're trying to go somewhere you haven't been yet and you're a solopreneur, 
It's not like your boss is holding you to the measuring stick. Did you do this? You have to do that for yourself all of a sudden. Yeah, and we can be awfully hard on ourselves as solopreneurs because we will say to ourselves, I'm just, I'm not moving ahead quickly enough, right? I'm not doing enough. But I would challenge your listeners to, to kind of look back on the body of work that you've, that you've created, whether it's building a website or, you know, just developing a program or starting a podcast or whatever it may be, all of those steps required a bunch of micro steps to get to completion. And, you know, everything we have behind us is our success. And so I think we have to have that foundation and then continue to build on it. So when somebody gets to a certain level or someone tells them, oh, you're at this, you know, such a level, I have heard you speak a little bit about this imposter syndrome. And recently <laughs> I've heard other like high level people saying that they have struggled with that, you know, thinking that they're just putting on a game or they're, or they're faking it. What do people do if they're feeling, if that imposter syndrome is Oh, gosh. I mean, I, I went through most of my 30s feeling imposter syndrome. And in my <laughs> early 50s now, I still have these moments where I'm like, who am I kidding? Like doing what I'm doing. It's a, I wrote an entire chapter in the success energy equation on building belief in yourself because, it, you know, I think the biggest thing that we need to do to be successful is get out of our own way. Uh, it, it doesn't matter. You can set gigantic goals. And if you believe in your ability to crush them, then you will absolutely crush them. But, you know, if you set the goals, but you don't, you think, ah, oh, well, I'm not sure that I can, that goal is going to be set and forget. So when it comes to building belief in ourselves, I am a big believer in reminding yourself of what you've already accomplished. So look back on your body of work, look back at some of the things that you've achieved in your life or overcome. You know, by achieving, I'm saying, whether it's writing the book or starting the podcast or finishing the degree or um, getting the promotion or, you know, and the things that you've gotten through uh, a bad illness or a divorce or a difficult situation. If we've gotten through them before we can get us get through them again. So remind yourself of those things. And then anytime you kind of feel yourself getting into that negative headspace, reframe into what's possible because we can say, Oh God, I can't do this. And as soon as you do that, as soon as you say, ah, I can't do this or it can't be done, your brain wants you to be so successful, you know, wants you to be successful. It'll say, well, my job here is done. You said that there's nothing to be done. But if you take that problem, if you're going, oh my gosh, this is so hard and reframe into how might I, how might I get more clients? How might I overcome this barrier? How might I go back to school? How might I work four days a week and, you know, be successful at that, that whole appreciative appreciative inquiry how might i lights up the brain and it goes oh i've got a problem to solve now the challenge with us as, as human beings as we are uh instant gratification we want that answer right away but sometimes we just have to give ourselves the time to noodle it and yeah. the time to go out in the world with that kind of open um open to possibilities mindset and see what comes up. All of a sudden you start to see things that help you answer the questions. It's quite fascinating. And then you just got to practice it. Repeat, repeat, repeat. Cause you know, our habits are ingrained and we have to erase old behaviors and <laughs> replace them with new ones. <laughs> I love that. It's just such a different, it's just a mindset shift. I can't, I remember being a young single, you know, bankrupt mom and always feeling like I can't afford it. I can't buy it and changing that to how could we afford it or how could we buy it and it's now you're, just, you're reminding me of that it's such a good piece of advice 
Um, do you have an experience that you could maybe share that's you know transformed you or that you've been through that's um, coming up while we're talking about? Oh gosh, you know when the recession hit 2008 2009, I had only just launched my speaking business full time two years before that, and I didn't have a business plan. I you know I said my sales program was luck, fate, and chance, which is not a good sales plan, right? And, and, I, and I was very kind of cocky because business was coming in, but prior to that, that bust in the economy, there was a big boom in Calgary. And so I was getting lots of business without really having to try. And so I was cocky. It's like, ah, if there's a recession, I'm choosing not to take part. And when the recession hit, my business dropped by 40%. I was single at the time, so I didn't have a backup income in the family. Mm -hmm. I, uh, you know, I, all I was doing was speaking. I didn't have any products. I, didn't, I wasn't a coach. And so that was a real wake up call for me in my kind of early days of my business where I said, all right, you know, time to grow up and start treating this business like a business. And in that almost 11 months where I wasn't working, that's when I wrote my first book. That's when I took sales training that I couldn't afford and got my coaching certification that I also couldn't afford. Um, thank goodness for lines of credit on houses. And that's the, that's the, the God's honest truth. But I got to the end of that recession and it was far better position. And I wrote the business plan as well with, with help from someone. And boy, oh boy, I, you know, I look back on the first couple of years of my business going, what the heck was I thinking? You know, cocky and confident and completely clueless. That's <laughs> how I put it. Hey, I meet a lot of solopreneurs who treat their business more like a hobby yeah. than a real business. And, and when you know, something, a crisis or chaos happens, then they realize, oh, I need to take this more seriously. Sales training of any level is so valuable because we don't like failure. And so we don't want to make those calls. We don't want to get the no, we don't want to get the rejection. So we don't do it, but it's because we're doing the sales wrong. I get so excited. I get totally jazzed when I get to reach out to a new possibility with the hope of, you know, kind of getting them to light up and say, hey, I totally need that. There's nothing more exciting to me than that. And it's about learning how to do it properly. So, yeah. And you, and you always have to do it, right? If you own your own business. It I, never ends. I, yeah. I think you, I remember you saying something about, you know, the struggle is constant, even at the level you're at. Like, yeah. speak to that a little bit. Well, I mean, you know, it, what we're chasing changes. So when I was, you know, brand new into speaking, I was charging 250 bucks a pop for lunch and learns. You know, it's easy to get those. Um, when I changed, anytime I would raise my fee or change my audience, I needed to change my approach and level up my game. Because if I'm now charging four figures, you know, mid four figures for my talks, then I better be able to back that up. And so it's a lot harder to, to, to convert a sale if you're selling the bigger tickets. And so I had to learn how to do it differently. And I learned how to, you know, position myself in the market with, you know, better slides and better presentations and better, you know, branded collateral and all of those little things that we think, oh, it doesn't matter. People don't notice them, you know, when they're all good, but they'll notice if they're not. So true. Yeah. Um, can you speak at all to following your own intuition versus or maybe as well as, you know, you've taken, you always get professional advice, you, you have mentors, and where's that place where you listen to yourself mm. and know that you're following something for a good reason? You know, like, how do you know you're not off your rocker and you should just do what everybody else says? 
Yeah, you know, uh, in, the, in the success energy equation, one of the first things that I talk about is getting off autopilot and getting clear. And part of the reason why we need to is, is, is when we tune in to our mind and body, it's a pretty intuitive piece of machinery. And if we, if we sit with ourselves, if we really kind of get honest with, about what we want and need, our intuition will usually guide us quite well. Um, you know, I, I've, I've asked for a lot of help in the past and sometimes I've taken advice, even though I had that little voice in the back of my head that says, yeah, that's not quite right. I mean, in fact, the title for my book was going to be something different because it was a title that my husband liked. And, and as I was writing it based on that title, I'm going, it's just not working, but, but my husband likes it, you know, Ewan likes it. And I really, I held on to it for far longer than I needed to, even though my gut said, no, 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 Michelle, the working title that you had was way better and it was the success energy equation. And so, you know, if there's anything that, that I'm learning as I, you know, perhaps get older is that to trust my intuition a little bit more quickly and a little bit more regularly. Ask yeah. for help, absolutely, but when your mind and heart tell you that there's a different way, don't be afraid to own what you know to be true for you. I, I think that's a continual struggle for people to try and sit in the quiet space and mm -hmm. hear that or, uh, you know, for themselves. So if there's anyone who's listening and they've started up their business or, or it's just not at the level where they want it to be, what would you say, you know, looking back in hindsight over all of your years and experience, what do you think would be the most important thing that you could say to them based on the expertise you're coming from? You know, th there is part of that listening to your in intuition. It'll tell you a lot. Um, of, of whether you're doing enough work or the right work, you know, or you've got the right market, because everything that we do in solopreneurship is about selling. It's what you're selling. It's how you're selling it. And it's who you're selling it to. And for me, you know, I, over many, over many times over the years, I've kind of shifted in and out of what I chose to be working on because I realized, Oh, I, you know, I love, I was a teacher at Mount Royal college when it was a college and I loved the teaching, but I hated, I hated the marking. I was a personal trainer for many years and I loved the one-on-one -on -one element, but I hated the repetition and the telling people what to do. And, and what I love more is the one-on-one -on -one with coaching. And so I kind of shifted rather than be a teacher, I became a speaker so I could speak and not have to mark <laughs> rather than be a personal trainer where I was sharing, you know, one-on-one -on -one, um, information on health and fitness. I became a coach where I could be with the client and guide them towards their, their greater good. Um, you know, so along the way, we kind of shift and change. It's, yeah. We have to trust our intuition and then you know, listen to what our head and heart need. And then I will say, sometimes it just requires, and you said it earlier, doing the freaking work, even when we don't want to, simply because we know it'll bring results. We, right. The, the work that we love to do is what we will do. And the things that we hate, we'll push to the side. But, you know, in our business, we've got all the th different things that we need. And I think you've talked about it before when you, uh, when you don't like to do something, you're not good at it, outsource. <laughs> yeah. Delegation yeah. is a beautiful thing. It really is. <laughs> I, love, I love what you were saying there because it makes me feel, you know, some people might start in this direction. That doesn't mean they have to be, you know, a teacher for the rest of their career. But you start, you keep the wheels turning, you keep going. And eventually it shifts you into your, the niche. Yes. That you might which have. parts of this job do I love and which do I not love? And I think that 
that job experiences when we're younger, especially, are as much about teaching us what we don't want to do as they are about teaching us what we want to do, right? Yes. Totally. And so I, you know, I say, go out there and try things. When you're young, it should always be yes. Yes, let me have that opportunity. Yes, let me have right of first refusal. Yes, let me get the experience. And then once we've you know, got a few of those experiences under, under our belt, we can get a little bit more discerning. It's like, well, no, I tried that before and I know for certain that I don't love, I don't love speaking to youth audiences. So don't ask me, <laughs> right? I've tried and my, my humor doesn't land. I don't know what it is, but there's so many other people that are so fantastic at it. If you need youth speakers, I will tell you something, yes. but it's not me. And I know that now because I've tried it and it didn't feel good. <laughs> yes. And so, and that's a valuable experience as well. So, mm -hmm. Here you are at this stage in your 50s, so you say. What is next for you? Like, where where are your sites set on, uh, and and where will people people be able to get the books, and how can they get help from you? Those are lots of questions. Yeah. So, like, first off, I mean, everything has changed because of COVID, and you know, being a, a professional speaker who normally stands in front of in-person audiences, I'm looking at how am I changing and evolving my online presence for speaking, which is challenging. I, I, I like it and, and it's just still not as exciting as seeing people's faces in person. So I'm working on that. The book has literally just come out. You can get it at successenergybook.com, successenergybook.com. You can get, uh, and right now, because it's still in pre-order, you can, if you buy uh, copies, copies before October 27th, you get all sorts of pre-order bonuses, um, which you kind of find. You'll get the first chapter in the intro. You'll get a workbook, which I've created. You'll get um, an autopilot assessment that's in the book, but you'll have your own downloadable. So there's all sorts of things that you can get um, by um, by uh, ordering. Pre yeah, pre-ordering at successenergybook.com. I don't know if I've, and then from there, the other thing that I'm working on is an online program, bring the book to life. Oh, that's fantastic. And I think that's beneficial, you know, something the the COVID happened, but people are finding a way to transition. And then I think a lot of the things are going to be end up being better because of that. Absolutely. So before we go, or as we go, have you got anything to say to wrap up or a joke or a word or a piece of advice or anything? Oh, a piece of advice I would always say is to, is to trust that you're great, that you're great just as you are. I say one of the reasons why I became a coach is because I kept meeting people who had no idea how extraordinary they actually are. So I think that we as individuals need to trust that that we all rock. And so it's really a matter of just trusting that and then doing the freaking work to bring all of that brilliance to the world. <laughs> well, that sounds wonderful. And it sounds so simple. I hope everybody has heard what they need to hear out of this. And thank you so much for spending the time with us today, Michelle. Thanks, Sue. I always enjoy chatting with you. Me too. Bye for now. We'll see you on the next episode of Hindsight's 2020 for Successful Solopreneurs. See you later.